this week's Adam Schefter podcast, week one is in the books and week two is coming up, highlighted by a playoff rematch between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New England Patriots. We'll be joined by my friend and colleague, ESPN senior NFL insider Chris Mortensen to talk about the ramifications of that matchup and ESPN's NFL research man, Evan Kaplan, who's got some fascinating statistical trends on this week's matchups. But first, my friend, Chris Mortensen. All right, Mort, we're halfway to week two, getting underway here. And before we get ahead to talking about the Patriots and the Jaguars and a potential playoff preview, I want to ask you one thing that stood out to you about week one. Well, I got worried about week one on Thursday night when we saw the Philadelphia Eagles play the Atlanta Falcons and we saw 27 flags, was it, penalty flags? And I said, if this is going to be the league, then it's in trouble. But the but but to be honest with you, the games kind of in terms of the way it was officiated, I think were much put, put my mind much more at ease in terms of how they were being officiated as opposed to what we saw in that Thursday night game. And you know, listen, guys like Bill Belichick or other coaches, you know, they haven't quite said it directly, but there is a sense that the first three or four weeks of the regular season are the old. Preseasons, because hmm. so many teams are sitting out their players in preseason. I mean, you know, Mitch Trubisky, hard, you know, he missed two games or so. I'm thinking this is a guy who didn't play that many games in college, didn't play that many games in high school. You know, played seven games last year, and you're not playing him much in preseason with a new new system. And and then you know, yeah, listen, against the Packers, you know, it came out, it looked really good. Oh, they got new toys and everything. But the bottom line is, they only scored 16 points. I know. Because the defense had one of the touchdowns. Because Khalil Mack had one. So I mean, it was it was good, but it just it it, it those type of things. So that kind of like st- stood out to me. You know what jumped out right away? You could watch these teams, and you could see certain teams that have some mojo going, and certain teams that don't. You could see right away Baltimore is going to be a good team this year. You could see right away that the Green Bay Packers went Aaron Rodgers is back. Good team. We could go on and on. New England. Always a good team. Well, you know, uh, it, it, you talk about the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I I knew, uh, you know, called Ozzy Newsom up like you know after the draft. I waited a couple of weeks because it was this quote, so-called quote last draft as the general manager yeah. uh, of the uh, of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And you know, there was a little edge to Ozzy's voice. He said, "Hey," he said, "I'm still the team's general manager." He goes, and basically it was like this. And we're, hey, and we're we're out to win a Super Bowl. I mean. And they think they have a Super Bowl caliber team, especially in the AFC. And you saw them. I think they. I think they worked hard in the off season. I know that John Harbaugh worked some hard in training camp, and we saw them dominate a bad. Listen, let's face it, a bad Buffalo team. But yeah, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and and on, on Aaron Rodgers, everybody you know, when they see the money, thirty three and a half million dollars worth when, everybody. When have you ever seen the Packers? Really play like a contender when Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the field. I'll tell you another thing that stood out. The defenses in Minnesota and Jacksonville. Yes. They are ferocious. Now, you could say overreaction to week one, just one week, but that defense in Minnesota is really good, and that defense in Jacksonville is really good, and that dovetails us in to week two and the matchup between the Jaguars and the Patriots, which should be maybe the game of this week. We'll see. What is your take on the significance of this matchup? I think it's more than just everybody will look at the fact that in the AFC Championship game, the Jaguars had a chance to beat them in Foxborough and played conservatively and oh, you know, blew it. 
I don't think that's the theme of this game. I think that we now can acknowledge that the Jaguars are for real. I think they're for real as a contender. We don't have to debate that about the Patriots. We know they're for real as a contender. But when you go down the season, if it, and it unfolds like we expect it to be, the Jaguars are going to be in this thing all the way, and the Patriots, we expect to win their division. I do anyway. Uh, all of a sudden, if we get down to home field advantage, are we talking about a head-to-head matchup that mm-hmm. happened in Week 2 between New England and Jacksonville? This game being played in Jacksonville, which is why we're paying so much attention to certain injuries. I mean, you know, Leonard Fournette, you know, how's his hamstring going to be? But moreover, the Patriots are already playing shorthanded. Julian Edelman still in that suspension and a couple other guys. I think people don't realize how shorthanded the Patriots are at wide receiver right now. And you look at it, Julian Edelman is on suspension for three more games. Brandon Cooks is in Los Angeles. Yes. Malcolm Mitchell didn't make the team. Kenny Britt didn't make the team. Danny Amendola's in Miami. So now they're leaning on guys. You got Philip Dorsett out there making plays as maybe, arguably, one of their two best wideouts with Chris Hogan. They're trying to survive until they can get Edelman back or bring in another veteran receiver. But there's no team that's more adept at adjusting on the fly and making other people forget how many deficiencies and weaknesses they have while they just steamroll people. Yeah, I think, I think first of all, that starts with the head coach, Bill Belichick, and then offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, the line coach, Dante Skarnecki, who's working with a patchwork offensive line, and then obviously Tom Brady. You know, they, they've been through this before, though. It's, it's, listen, they went three and one without Tom Brady last year, right? In the first four games. So they've always had some, something that they've, they've had to prepare and plan for. Uh, and, you know, I do think this defense of the Patriots is better than what they've had in recent years. Sort so of maybe it. that's a little bit stronger and, and you got to take a look at that. They're, I think they're, I think they're more stout. I think they're more talented. I think that front seven's really good. The back part w- was already pretty talented. So, uh, yeah, but they get through these first four games. I think they're used to doing this. You know, maybe it's not going to be four and oh, but if it's three and one, then not going to shock me. And if it's two and two, shouldn't panic either. And, and you hit on a good point. Every team is different every year, but this is a Patriot team that will rely more on its defense than other teams have. And that offensive firepower might not be there the way some people are used to seeing. We're used to seeing them just trample over people with points, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that this year. Yeah, I, I you know, I really think they're going to miss Brandon Cooks. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, I realize Chris Hogan has some ability to go downfield. Amendola obviously was kind of a clutch receiver. You know, but when Edelman comes back after week four, all, all of a sudden I think people relax a little bit. We all see how, you know, how good Gronkowski is. But in terms of the explosiveness of the offense, I, I think that's the element that they really won't get back. Philip Dorsett has speed. Uh, I thought Josh McDaniels shows that he, you know, he, he can find where you can use Dorsett to his strengths and, and, you know, maybe get him in space to hit him on a slant and let him use his speed. But, it's it's going to be more of a team that's balanced on both sides of the ball. Mort, the Eagles and Redskins both won on the first weekend. The Cowboys and Giants both lost. The Cowboys and Giants are getting ready to play on Sunday Night Football. Is there one of these teams that's more desperate than the other? You know, I'll say this. If you talk to coaches privately, some will say publicly, but privately they definitely will tell you you never want to be 0-2 because then you start to wonder, when are we going to win our first game because you get you know so two is so Owen, hard to come Owen, back Owen from two is and I, I i guess the analytics show that it's, it's a difficult number to come back from i feel like because 
I don't see it in the Cowboys. I mean, you know, they're missing parts. Their their receiving core is just so average. I mean, you know, Cole, Cole Beasley's the primary target right now. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, it's got to be. There's got to be more of him. So the game plan, whatever. Dak Prescott missing the, uh, you know, some. Are they missing Des Bryant? You know, obviously they decided they weren't going to be missing Des Bryant. But they're, hey, I can guarantee you they're missing Travis Frederick, their center. That, that's a big. And, I agree with that. And, and, and you know, whereas their defense can be very good, but I would think I think there'd be more panic with the Giants because I think the Giants really believe that they can contend. Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Redskins, and the Redskins, I think were were one of the more underrated teams going into the uh, the league year and the division. But I think the Giants might be a little more desperate because I think internally they feel like they really can contend. So, what if the Cowboys do go to zero and two? What if they are on two and more? I can tell you what's going to happen right then and there. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to answer your own. Uh, tell me the questions are going to start swirling about Jason Garrett. Absolutely, you know he's had a lot of time. Uh, I think when Jerry Jones opened up training camp, and he had Jason Garrett sitting next to him, and he basically, before anybody could ask it, said, "Jason's our Jason's going to be our coach. He's going to be our coach beyond this. He's not on the hot seat or whatever you want to call it." Uh, I think he that basically told me that he might be on the hot seat. And, you know, you know, I think that's one reason why Jason Garrett fought hard internally to keep Jason Witten around, you know, because he wanted that locker room leader. And, yes, Sean Lee, you know, they want him to step up. But having Jason Witten, not just as a locker room leader, but also as one of Dak Prescott's safety valves. And if that's not all there and it all falls apart, I know this much. If people stop showing up, buying tickets to the big top, then you know the guy who who runs the big top, I think, will be looking for a new carnival barker. <laughs> and the team that loses on Sunday, Giants or Cowboys, I would imagine we'll be talking about the team that falls to zero and two on Monday Night Countdown this upcoming. Oh, week. no question. More appreciate you joining us. Thanks very much. Enjoy week two. All right, Adam. Thanks, bud. We'll be back in a moment with Evan Kaplan. But first, I want to tell you about DraftKings. It's week two of the football season, which means a second shot at victory this weekend. DraftKings has over $2 million in total prizes, and you can play free with your first deposit. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment. At DraftKings, you are the GM. Just choose your players, stand to the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Because nothing makes football something more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now. Use code SHEFTER to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $2 million in total prizes. That's code SHEFTER. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Cap hit. Cap hit with our man Evan Kaplan, the NFL ESPN stats an information researcher. I don't know if I have you introduced the correct way. Is that, that right? What, that what's works. your official title, Evan? Official title is research specialist now, but but that will certainly work, Adam. ESPN's NFL research specialist, Evan Kaplan. Evan, we are headed into week two, and earlier in this podcast, Mort and I talked all about the Patriots and the Jaguars, a rematch of last season's AFC championship game. What stands out to you about this particular matchup as Jacksonville tries to get payback against New England. Well, that's something that hasn't been easy for teams in the Tom Brady era, Adam. Adam. So teams to lose in the playoffs against the Patriots are only 3-13 and 13 
against New England when they play in the following season when Brady's the QB. That includes losses by the Texans, by the Steelers, and the Falcons last season. So tough, tough climb for Jacksonville there. And then you also consider Tom Brady. We know his numbers are near the top of almost every category in NFL history, but you look at him specifically against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 8-0 in his career, including the playoffs. That's his most wins without a loss against any opponent. But this is a different Jacksonville team. It is, absolutely. And you saw you saw their defensive line against the Giants. Really that happy. Jacksonville defense is tremendous. It really is. One of the two best defenses in the league, Jacksonville, Minnesota. Stack them up, whichever way you want. Minnesota, Jacksonville. Those I love those units. And Brady will face both of those this year. How about that? All right, the top receivers, two top receivers mm-hmm. in the NFL face off this weekend in Pittsburgh. Tyreek Hill for Kansas City. Antonio Brown for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What stands out to you about that matchup, Evan? It's interesting. They're, they're almost the exact same size. 5'10", about 180, 185 pounds. They both score touchdowns, kind of do it in a little bit different ways. Antonio Brown, we know him kind of overall. Since the start of 2016, he's got the most touchdown catches in the NFL, including the playoffs. And then you look at Tyreek Hill. He has the most 50-yard touchdown catches mm-hmm. since his rookie season in 2016, and you kind of look at flashbacks and things to kind of play forward. Uh, the only other time they played each other in Pittsburgh, both caught a touchdown. So something both, to keep in mind as you look towards this this week's matchup. Both are electric. Tyree Kill might be the single most exciting player in all of football right now. And certainly one of the fastest, if not the fastest. All right. In the NFC East, we've got the Giants and the Cowboys. What's at stake in this matchup between these two teams? You look at one of these teams, and one of them is going to go to 0-2 with them playing Sunday night in Dallas. And, and historically, that has not been a good omen in a tough division like the NFC East. Under the current division format since 2002, only two teams have started 0-2 from the NFC East and recovered to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 2003 Eagles and the 2007 Giants. Now, interestingly enough, both of those teams ended up having playoff success. The Eagles went to the NFC Championship and lost, and the Giants, of course, won the Super Bowl in that 2007 season. All right, we've got some interesting matchups for the four starting quarterbacks in the NFC South this weekend as well, Evan. Yeah, let's run through them quickly. Panthers at the Falcons first off. Cam Newton, more interceptions than touchdown passes in divisional games over the last two seasons. That's wild. Yeah, 10-14, to kind of interesting, 4-7 and in divisional games. Obviously, North Turner there now, so uh, off to a good start in Week 1. We'll see if that turns around. On the other side for the Falcons, coming off their tough loss in Week 1, Matt Ryan, 9-1 and in home openers in his career. So if you're going on historical trends, you're looking towards the Falcons in that one. This one I found a little odd on Drew Brees. The Saints obviously looking for their first win at home against the Browns. Drew Brees 2-6 and six in his last eight home games against AFC teams. Not what you'd expect with teams coming into the Dome. And the Saints have also started 0-2 in the previous four seasons. They obviously recovered from that 0-2 start to make the playoffs last year, but trying to avoid another 0-2 start this year. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe the, not maybe, the surprise of week one. Absolutely. With his four touchdown performance against those Saints. And you look at them now, Buccaneers hosting the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. The last three times Fitzpatrick threw four touchdown passes in a game, followed that up by winning the next week. Mm. So can they take down the defending champs? We'll see. But uh, Fitzpatrick, interesting start for the Buccaneers. If Fitzpatrick wins again. That conversation is going to get a little interesting there in Tampa. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if it's sustainable for him to throw four touchdowns and run for one touchdown every week. I don't think it is. Right. No disrespect to the great Harvard oh, no. man, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course. 
But Fitzmagic has not typically been something that's played out over the course of time. However, he did have his best year replacing Geno Smith in New York and played tremendous football. He's certainly capable of doing it, but he's got to be consistent. And if he can get consistent, they're going to give ESPN a lot of fodder to talk about, talking about the Tampa Bay quarterback situation there. All right, the quarterback situation in Buffalo this weekend involves the Chargers and the Bills, two 0-2 teams. How's Phillip Rivers fared there? So kind of an interesting, kind of a fun one to end on. Phillip Rivers drafted by the Giants in 2004 before the trade involved with Eli Manning. And Rivers has done well against, quote-unquote, New York teams in his career. Obviously, Jets and Giants play in New Jersey. We fully understand that. But if you do the Bills, the Giants, the Jets, Rivers is 11-2 and against those three teams. Best record by any quarterback with 10 starts against the Bills, Giants, and Jets since he made his first start in 2006. <laughs> kind of one of those... Weird coincidences sometimes with the team that drafted them and kind of beating those teams around that that state of New York, New Jersey, kind of tri-state area. Well, he needs another win this week, and the Chargers need that to stay alive after going, falling to 0 and 1 last week against the Chiefs. Go on the road this week. They can make up for it with a W in Buffalo. Absolutely. Evan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Adam. A special thank you to my friend Chris Mortensen and to Evan Kaplan for joining us on this week's Adam Schefter Podcast. And a special thank you to Michael Rosenberg, the co-writer of The Man I Never Met, a memoir, who joined us on September 11th to discuss the launch of that book in what was an emotionally charged conversation. Thanks for listening this week, everybody. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Enjoy week two, everybody.